Wendell's World of Sports, a sports talk podcast that is unique, making you laugh and making you think. Talking about sports with a different twist, but the style and flair as attractive and beautiful as my Alexa Bliss. I go after the everyday of sports topics with the fury of Tyson, running over the competition like I was the bison, slicing through the bad taste and nonsense like a hot knife through butter. For those coming after me unprepared, Take yourself back to the podcasting gutter. If I were a prospect in the podcasting draft, I'd be selected number one like Trayvon Walker based on my skills as an exceptional sports talker, my talent generational, my rhythm and style beyond sensational. Great like the Say Hey Kid, they name Willie, my podcast being heard from Queensland to Philly. You say my sports talk podcast can't compete with yours? Man, don't be so damn silly. For the 2022 NFL season, I discuss which team we are believing will be championship competing, the chances of the LA Rams repeating Justin Herbert's impact on the sport increasing, and I do it in a fashion you'll find pleasing. Given my thoughts and opinions about who's the best team in the NFL, how Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos gel, will Cincinnati go back to being bungles or remain Bengals? These mysteries and other NFL topics I will untangle. So watch and listen to my podcast and have yourself a blast. Download and subscribe real fast. Can you dig what I'm saying like my man Shaft? Wendell's World in Sports. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and tune in anywhere, anyhow, in any way. You listen to your favorite podcast. Right on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most unique, entertaining, and compelling sports talk podcast you'll ever listen to. Let's be great. Let's be great. Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Giannis charging down the lane to the rim. Double clutch. No good. Tipped in. Giannis tipped it home. Subscribe, rate, and review anywhere and everywhere you listen to this and all your favorite podcasts. And now, from Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, Rip, Roin, and ready to rumble, Wendell Wallace. Special dedication for those who are listening in this country. Special dedication for those who are listening in Canada. Special dedication for those who are listening in Australia. Special dedication for those who are listening in India, in Brazil, in France, in Germany. Thank you so doggone much for listening to the most unique, entertaining, thought-provoking sports talk podcast that you can listen to. Welcome to Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. Before I go ahead and start talking about the NFL and college football, I just want to uh, just throw out a friendly reminder here. I'll be talking about it also on my uh, first break. Is that I'm going to be breaking up my topic discussions for the audio, which you can find anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcast: iHeart, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. I'm going to be speaking about the NFL, I'm going to be speaking about football, I'm going to be speaking about college football during the NFL and college football season which will be coming out, which will be published every Tuesday. I'm recording this on a Monday night as I'm watching the Chicago Bears and the New England Patriots play and also watching a little bit of the NBA League Pass. Hello, free preview. Thank you. But also, if you are listening and you want to go ahead and go to my YouTube channel so you can listen to my episode if you like what you're listening to, if you like what you see, speaking of the ladies, single ladies between the ages of 42 and 49 subscribe download rate review and i'm going to be speaking mainly about the nba exclusively about the nba and speaking about my georgetown hoyas which 
is less than three weeks away from the start of their season to get accomplished state. I'm excited. I'm jubilant. I cannot wait. I'm almost like, it's almost like Christmas for me, man. You know, like a little kid can't wait for Christmas to start three weeks. Mommy, I can't wait. Put the Christmas tree up, put the toys around the tree and all that good stuff. Same thing with me when it comes to the anticipation of watching the love of my life in terms of my favorite team in sports, the Georgetown Hoyas, till death do us part. Life parole in terms of my love and my fandom and my passion for my Georgetown Hoyas with America's coach, Patrick Ewing. So I'll be speaking about Georgetown. I'll be speaking about the NBA over on my YouTube channel. And I'm going to be saving the NFL and college football talk for my audio episodes anywhere again where you listen to your favorite podcast. So I just want to uh, let you all know about that. The audio it's going to be coming out on Tuesdays, and my YouTube episodes are going to be coming out either Wednesday nights or Thursday afternoon. So there you go. Depending upon your where you're living in this global world of ours, this society of our Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. All right, so let's go ahead and... Let's get started, man. Let's go ahead and talk about this doggone NFL Week 7. Now... You know this, and I always say this. This is—I've always said this in my podcast. You know, the first two months, the first six weeks, seven weeks, when you're watching the NFL, hey man, whether you're having some type of stake in a manner financially, if you're speaking about having a fantasy league or a fantasy team, or we're speaking about placing bets or a situation like that, if if you're not in that realm, if you're not uh, watching for those things, man, just enjoy. And I don't care what team you're rooting for. I don't care if it's the Houston Texans. I don't care if it's the Detroit Lions. I don't care if it's the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't care if it's the Kansas City football team. I don't care if it's the Dallas Cowboys. I don't care if it's the New York Giants or Jets. Go ahead and watch. Go ahead and enjoy. Because, you know, to freak out and to start panicking and to start losing your mind either one way or the other, one end of the spectrum to the other, when we're speaking about the joy and jubilation of a team that might start off quickly or the despair and panic of a team that might start off slowly, might not be reaching expectations, I say, hey, look, man, again, for the first month, for the month of September, relax and enjoy. Just luxuriate. And the fact that, hey, man, football is back and truly strongly that the sports calendar, the sports year has started. When we speak about that first game, fam, you know, take every minute, take every second and enjoy it. Because, man, just like life itself, pretty soon it'll be over faster than you'll know. And you'll be sitting up there talking about, hey, man, what the hell happened? Every single week in the NFL, every single week in college football, man. Savor it. Enjoy it. Don't take it for granted. Get everything out of it. You should be like me when when football season ends, both college and pro. When the national championship game in college football is over, as far as college football is concerned, I'm drained. I'm drained. I don't want to see another college football game after January mid-January. I don't want to see it for the longest of whiles. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it because I put so much emphasis and I put so much focus on my Saturdays to enjoy college football, to take the most out of college football, to bathe heavily into college football that when it's over, it's over. And it's the same thing with the NFL. Hey, look, man, if it's February and the Super Bowl's over and you're depressed and you're upset about what we're going to do now because football is over, you really haven't taken the time during the regular season, during the playoffs, 
of the NFL to really grasp, to really wrap your arms and your body and your soul around the favorite sport that you have, which is the NFL. Man, when the Super Bowl's over, I'm done. I'm done. I'm mentally done. Because I put so much week in the week into enjoying, in enjoying the NFL and all its splendor. I'm just done. I'm done with it. By February, like, I don't want to talk about the NFL anymore. I don't want to see another football game. And by July and August, I started getting that itch. I started getting that hunger for the game again. But man, when you, again, it's, it's, a, it's a situation where when you truly invest and you truly enjoy, whether it be your team or just the league in general, take it all in, my man. Because I'm telling you, by the end of the season, playoffs start, and by the Super Bowl, when it's over, you should be like, whoo, I am physically, almost like running a marathon. I am physically and I'm mentally drained. I finally have my weekends back to actually go ahead and do something. I now have my Sundays back so I can go ahead and do something. Because my Sundays, every single week for over four months, have been dedicated to watching the NFL, so, or watching my favorite football team or something like that, so man, at the end of the football season you should go back to being a full-time wife or a full-time husband or a full-time father or a full-time a, a parent or a full-time child on Sunday, you know what I'm talking about? Monday through Saturdays, hey man, you know what? Be that parent, be that father, be that mother, be that wife, be that com- uh, companion, be that partner, be that person that's there 24-7 for your kids, for your husband, for your wife, for your girlfriend, for your partner and all those type of things. But that sliver that you can dedicate on Sundays to watching your favorite football team or watching football, the totality of the NFL in general. Relax, take it in, enjoy it, man. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. So all of those things that I'm talking about lead up to week seven of the NFL. And I always say it like this. It's always funny when we want to go ahead and we want to sit there and we want to talk about and go from game to game. We always have the overreaction Monday, right? Oh my goodness, I can't believe this team lost to this team. I can't believe this team beat this team. I can't believe this guy played this poorly. I can't believe this guy played this great. I can't believe that referee made this terrible call. I can't believe this, that, and the other. What does it mean? We try to equate. We try to equate three, four, five weeks into a season how a team is going to do projecting for an entire 17-game schedule. My goodness gracious, the Miami Dolphins are 3-0. and They must be for real. This is going to be a surprise team. This, that, and the other. Oh, my goodness gracious, this team started off 1-2. and two. This team started off 1-3. and three. They're terrible. They're horrible. The season's over. Fire the coach. All this stuff. And I'm like, man, for the first four, five, six weeks, relax. Enjoy. Because nothing gets done. Nothing is finalized. Nothing is written in concrete in terms of what your team is going to be all about until far later into the season. Now, coming into the season, we knew, we know that there's a baseline for teams or there's going to be like an expectation for teams that are probably at that team is going to fall within. So whether it be the Detroit Lions, whether it be the Houston Texans, whether it be the Jacksonville Jaguars, for the most part, we know. We don't know 100%, but we kind of know. So if the Lions or the Texans or the Bears or a squad like that starts off slowly, then we can kind of go ahead with the thought, with the assumption 
that yeah, this team is probably not going to be the surprise team that's going to wow everybody and shock the world and do what the Cincinnati Bengals did last year, go from a team that was putrid to all of a sudden being a team that's a couple of minutes, a couple of possessions away from winning a championship. So we know that on the other side of the spectrum, on the other end of the spectrum, we take a look at a team like the Kansas City football team or a team like the Buffalo Bills who were uh, predicted to do great things once the season started. And we can pretty much see that, yeah, as of right now, we can, we're can we pretty safe in saying that, yeah, this team is going to reach the expectations that we had. So we should hold this team on a higher level. We should hold this team to another standard. We could speak about this team in terms of the expectations and match them up in terms of how they play, how they look, how they're performing, how they're being coached, and, and that type of thing. But for everybody else, for the most part, man, we don't know. And the fun part of watching this, this, this sport... The fun part about watching this league is who's going to be that team? Who's going to be that team that's going to jump out, surprise some people, and are going to continue to surprise and shock the world? And which team is going to fall back to the medium? Because when you speak about it, and you speak about the power rankings, remember the power rankings? I've been looking at them this past weekend. The top 10 teams at the start of the season. I got this from uh, ESPN.com, August 23rd. When they were speaking about going into week one or the preseason, going into the final preseason games. Because we never know. A team's fortunes can change drastically if there's a uh, an injury that took place during the preseason game or practice. See the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But when you take a look at the top 10 teams at the start of the season, going into the season according to ESPN.com. And I also checked with CBS Sports and NFL and Sports Illustrated and such. The consensus of teams that were supposed to be vying for championship, that were supposed to be in the top 10, that were supposed to be the upper echelon of the league. Teams like the Buffalo Bills, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Los Angeles Rams, they were ranked third. Buffalo was ranked number one. Tampa Bay was ranked number two. The LA Rams was ranked number three as far as the top 10 teams at the start of the season in August. The Kansas City football team ranked number four. Cincinnati, number five. Green Bay, number six. San Francisco, Number seven, the Chargers, number eight, and the Baltimore Colts, number nine, and them Dallas Cowboys, number 10. So then after one week, I went ahead and I checked this in. Hmm, how much is this playing the script? How much is this playing the form? And how much have we changed in terms of the power rankings? So after four weeks, after four weeks, after four weeks, man, the power rankings took this from NFL.com. Four weeks, four games in. The number one team as far as the power rankings were concerned was the Philadelphia 76ers. Or the Philadelphia Eagles. How about that? The Philadelphia 76ers. They're not even ranked in the top 10 in the NBA power ranking so far. But the Philadelphia Eagles were ranked number one after one month. And or for uh, one month ago uh, during this time, the Eagles were number one, the Buffalo Bills number two, the Miami Dolphins at that time, who I believe were three and zero and three and one, they were the third ranked team. The Green Bay Packers were ranked number four, Kansas City ranked number five, the Rams still hanging around at number six, Baltimore number seven, Tampa Bay fell to eighth, Minnesota number nine, Cincinnati number ten. So now, when you take a look at this, now. When you take a look at what the power ranking should be one month later, and we see that Buffalo, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Minnesota, and Cincinnati 
have kind of distant themselves so far, even though there's some questions about Minnesota. There's still some questions about Cincinnati. But then after that, you have Dallas, number six, the Giants, number seven, Baltimore, number eight, the New York Jets, number nine, Tennessee Titans coming in at number 10. Oh, how things change. Oh, how things change in the NFL. So we can start making, now we can start getting a little bit more serious. Now we can start focusing a little bit more, a little bit more on, okay, what is this team going to be looking to do? What is this team going to be shaping up for? If you're a fan of the Carolina Panthers, yeah, congratulations on being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers yesterday, but you should be looking to tank. The Houston Texans, you should be looking to tank. Because your teams right now, I don't see any way, shape, or form how they're going to be competing for anything. If you're the Detroit Lions, you should be wanting to tank. This should be a season now where we're talking about misery and despair and, and in the doldrums and all that type of thing. Glass half empty, my man. When I come down for Christmas and I see manure underneath the Christmas tree, I'm happy because I'm assuming I'm getting a pony. Glass half empty in your way of thinking. And being a Washington Commanders fan, I've been able to practice this. I've been able to master this for years in terms of, okay, you know what? It looks like we're not going to be winning a championship. It looks like we're not good enough to win a championship. It looks like we don't have the necessary pieces to win a championship. It looks like we don't have a quarterback to win a championship. So here's what I want this team to do. I want this team to lose, 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 lose because I'm a fan of the college football game and I see all of these reports about these quarterbacks who can come in and are being franchise quarterbacks and at the very least... They're projected to be better quarterbacks, much better quarterbacks than we have for my team right now. So right now, as I mentioned before in my other podcast, Will Levis, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, these are the guys that are supposed to be the quote-unquote quarterback du jour for the upcoming NFL draft. And who else is going to come in there and shock the world? Who else is going to be the next um, Zach Wilson? Or who else is going to be the next Trey Lance? The guy, as of right now, we don't know is a top prospect type of quarterback, but yet by the time April rolls around or by the time March rolls around and we start getting into the stuff in terms of the NFL draft, that these guys and these names are going to be surfacing, bubbling up to the front in terms of quarterbacks that could be taken extremely early, even though at this time in October, we had no idea who they were or they had no idea that they were going to be prognosticated to go this high. So if you're a team like the... If you're a fan of the team like uh, the Detroit Lions, root for your team to lose because I'm quite sure you don't want Jared Goff as your quarterback anymore. No more Jared Goff. That ship has sailed in terms of Jared Goff, the former number one pick by the Los Angeles Rams, the former number one pick of the entire draft only a few years ago, leading his team to the Super Bowl, getting himself a fat paycheck, and then Sean McVay finding out that, oops, this guy really can't play quarterback at the level that we wanted to play quarterback, let's ship him out of here to Detroit so we can get ourselves Matthew Stafford and win ourselves a championship. But yet still, the Jared Goff era in Detroit needs to be over. I don't know how Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis or anybody else is going to project in the NFL. Who knows, man? I don't know. But man... If you're a Detroit Lions fan, aren't you interested to see a Bryce Young? I mean, you have to think if you're a Detroit Lions fan, right? You have to think if you're a Houston Texans fan, right? You have to think if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, right? That Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud 
they've got to be better than Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold or P.J. Walker, right? You, you, you got to think, if you're a fan of the Detroit Lions, that Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis or anybody that we haven't mentioned that are not on anyone's radar yet, they've got to be better than Jared Goff, right? If you're a Houston Texan fan, man, C.J. Stroud and, and Bryce Young, they, they, they've got to be better than Davis Mills, right? Correct? I don't, I, don't, I don't need Patrick Mahomes. I don't need Josh Allen. I would love Patrick Mahomes. I would love Josh Allen. I would love Joe Burrow. I would love Justin Herbert. Awesome, fantastic. But, but I just need something better than what we've got right now. If you're a fan of the Lions or the Texans or the Panthers or one of those teams or the Commanders, the Commanders win, they go to three and four. Yay. I'm not happy. Well, I mean, I'm happy that the team won, but my thing is that no, 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 no. I'm not interested in bringing back Carson Wentz or Taylor Heineke and, 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 and drafting an offensive lineman at pick number 12 or 13. No, I want a quarterback. I don't know how great Bryce Young is, but hell, he's going to be better than Carson Wentz. I don't know how good Will Levis is, but hell, I would rather find out other than, than go another season with Carson Wentz or Heineke at the quarterback position because I know with those two quarterbacks, we ain't winning deadly. You could put a defense that has that 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 could be better than the Purple People Eaters, the Doomsday defense, the Steel Curtain, the forty-six defense of the Chicago Bulls. Chicago, the Chicago Bears, you can put a mixture of those greatness of a defense into the Washington Commanders, and we still ain't winning nothing with the offense that we have right now. I don't care. We need a quarterback. I don't care about beating the, the this struggling Green Bay Packers. We need a quarterback. So, yeah, I understand why the Commanders are winning. I understand why they're trying to do everything that they are trying to do to win. But, man, put in the quarterback from North Carolina. Well, Taylor Heineke gives us a better chance to win. Who cares? We're not winning a championship with Taylor Heineke. What point is that? So we can go, what, 7-10? and 10? whoop the damn do So what, we can be 9-8? Uh, whoop the damn do I'm not interested in whoop the damn do 9-8. and eight. I'm not interested in whoop the damn do 7-10. and 10. I'm not interested in mediocrity. I'm not. We either bottom out, get our owner out of there, and put in a and bring ourselves a quarterback and change the franchise around, similar to what the Cincinnati Bengals did when they drafted Joe Burrow, then drafted Jamar Chase, just like the Dallas Cowboys did back in the day when they stunk out loud, and then Jimmy Johnson traded the Jigaboo George and Herschel Walker to the Minnesota Vikings for a boatload of draft picks and got themselves uh, Troy Aikman and Emmett Smith and Russell Maryland and uh, Darren Woodson and all those other guys and built themselves a mini dynasty in the 90s. They had to stink. They had to suck before they got great. I need that for my Washington Commanders. So no, 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 no. I'm not interested in going nine and eight. No, I'm not interested in that. We're not, nine and eight isn't going to get us anywhere, anyhow. Not with the way that the Philadelphia Eagles are playing. Not with the way that the Dallas Cowboys are playing. And not, by the way, the way the New York Giants are playing. Get us a new coach, get us a new owner, and get ourselves a quarterback and just, you know, and, and pray and pray to Jesus that uh, something can happen. 
So all of this is to say, as I'm just again summing how turning it this turning this into a therapy session about me being a Washington Commanders fan, even though we won an ugly game over a struggling Green Bay Packer squad at home with there's more with more Packer fans in there than Washingtonians than commanding fans. But uh yeah, it, it's all to say, hey look, man, you can jo- enjoy the NFL any way possible, whether your team, whether you're a fan of the Buffalo Bills or the Philadelphia Eagles, or the New York Jets or Giants, or the Kansas City football team, or the Cincinnati Bengals. You can enjoy you can enjoy being a team at the other end of the spectrum just as much with also the wants and the needs and the desire and the passion to watch them play for whatever reason. If you're a fan of Kansas City, if you're a fan of Buffalo, if you're a fan of Cincinnati, then it's all about, yeah, I'm watching because I want to see my team win and I want to see my team compete for championships. If you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're a fan of the Chicago Bears or the Houston Texans or the Jacksonville Jaguars or a squad like that, you can say, yeah, I'm watching because while winning is all right, losing is not that bad because it means it just gets us a better opportunity to draft ourselves a player that's going to help us in the long term so we can be at the same level as those teams that I've just mentioned that are vying for championships. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So taking a look at some of the teams that I just mentioned before, some of the better teams in the NFL, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Kansas City, Minnesota, Cincinnati, Dallas, the Giants, the Jets, Tennessee, Baltimore. Three of those teams, Buffalo, Philadelphia, and Minnesota, they had buys. So Buffalo next week coming off the best win of the NFL season. Last week in their victory on the road against Kansas City, you would have to I would have to say that's probably the best victory in the NFL this season, right? If you really take a think about it, if you're really starting to gauge in terms of teams that are going to be doing some things, Buffalo's kind of cementing their status as being one of the elite teams, if not the elite team in the league. There's going to be no signs of drop-off. There's going to be no signs of disappointment so far. Kind of uh, crystallized that in their victory over Kansas City. Even more impressive now when you saw what uh, Kansas City did to the San Francisco 49ers this past weekend. So Buffalo's going to be hosting the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. And yet the Green Bay Packers, the team that Aaron Rodgers was talking about, hell yeah, I think we're going to make the playoffs. Goddamn right, we're going to make the playoffs. Oh yeah, this, that, and the other. I think Aaron Rodgers was up there saying that, and he was thinking to himself, you know, maybe if I say it enough times, maybe if I say it enough in these situations, maybe, just maybe, might take till Wednesday or next Thursday or Friday. But if I keep saying it enough, Maybe I'll start believing it. But he's talking about, hey, this could be the best thing for us. Losing like we're losing and looking like we're looking and playing like we're playing to go into such a hostile environment like the uh, like Buffalo, New York, and uh, play against the best team, one of the best teams, one of the elite teams in the NFL, which is the, which is the Buffalo Bills. I tell you one thing. If the Packers beat the Bills the way that they looked the past three weeks and the way the Bills have looked, it would be the upset of the year so far. And that's not to say that this is an impossibility. It could happen. The chances are slim, but uh, welcome to the NFL. Any given Sunday, any given Sunday night, any given Monday night, any given Thursday night, 
anything can happen during the regular season. So the Bills, who had a bye this week, they're going to be back in action Sunday night football against the Green Bay Packers. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The Philadelphia Eagles, surprise, surprise, 6-0, coming off their best win of the season against Dallas last uh, Sunday night. They're going to be hosting Pittsburgh this uh, upcoming Sunday. More statistical evidence when you think about it, about the Eagles and the Bills, their dominance so far, as far as those two being the best two squads in the NFL. They have the best point differential in the league. When you think about the Bills, points differential is at 95, a plus 95. The Philadelphia Eagles, they're a plus 56 going into next week. Now, there were reports. This is interesting, right? Talking about putting the pedal to the metal, right? Reports coming out of Philadelphia was that the Eagles were one of two teams to try to inquire or try to get the services of Carolina Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey. Should be three. San Francisco was the team that got him, but the Denver Broncos and the Philadelphia Eagles were the other two teams that was interested in acquiring McCaffrey. Now, the Eagles would have gotten themselves McCaffrey the way that they play, the way that their offensive system is all about. That would be a game changer, and I'm saying it would be a game changer based on the notion or the assumption that Kristen McCaffrey would stay relatively healthy during the regular season and into the playoffs. But the Eagles' best record in the NFL, the last undefeated team, in the NFL, they're going to be hosting Pittsburgh after coming off of a bye week this past week. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The Minnesota Vikings, 5-1, and one, winners of four straight games. Going to be playing the Arizona Cardinals at home next Sunday. They lead the NFC North by two and a half games over the second place Green Bay Packers. Did we see this coming? Did we see Minnesota coming? I mean, there was the change in... Head coaching from Mike Zimmer to uh, Kevin O'Connell. But for the most part, they, they they kept the same stars of the show that have been the Minnesota Viking franchise. Justin Jefferson still up there being one of the elite wide receivers or at the cusp of being one of the elite wide receivers in the game. Adam Thielen uh, moving down from being near elite to being a solid number two wide receiver. Kurt Cousins still making a boatload of money. Kurt Cousins still not performing when it needs to be. Kurt Cousins still putting up some pretty good numbers, but Kurt Cousins, a guy who makes a whole lot of money, but yet and still it's Dalvin Cook who with the barometer in terms of how well the Vikings offense is going to be. Did we really think that this team was going to be 5-1? and one? And Did we really think if there was going to be a team that was going to be leading the NFC North with a two-and-a-half game lead, that was going to be a team that was 5-1 and one and being ranked in the top five? We all would have assumed that it would have been Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, right? But no, it's the Minnesota Vikings playing the Arizona Cardinals. The team in Arizona whose defense is rather porous, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But Minnesota, kind of that sneaky team that no one is talking about. And when you take a look at the horizon and you take a look at the division that the Vikings play in, the NFC North, and outside of Green Bay, I mean, you take a look at Chicago, a rebuilding squad that right now is three and four, or I guess they're going to be three and four because right now they're whooping up on uh, New England pretty good. I've changed the channel now I'm having the NBA league pass on where I'm watching the I'm watching the Memphis Grizzlies play the play the Brooklyn Nets man do I have a lot of things to speak about on my 
YouTube episode with the Brooklyn Nets, the way they've been playing the first uh, couple of games of the season. But back to the NFL, the NFC North. Yeah, you have Chicago, who is going to, I'm going to go out on this limb and say they're going to be three and four. Detroit is one and five. You take a look at the quarterback situation in that division. Chicago, with no offensive line, with no offensive talent, has Justin Fields at the quarterback, who's a learning, who's a growing, who's a uh, young buck at the quarterback position. I already mentioned the Lions having Jared Goff as their quarterback. So when you take a look at the future, the the, the near future of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, there should be no reasons why they shouldn't kind of coast to winning the NFC North. Now, one of the things that have played a huge role in the success for the Vikings so far this season has been their lack of injuries. The fact that outside of missing what Andrew Booth Jr. and Lewis Klein for multiple games, the Vikings only have only had a few players miss a game due to injury and only one game missed from a starter due to injury, which was um, uh, Harrison Smith, right, against the Detroit Lions. He suffered a concussion week two against the Philadelphia Eagles. So for the most part, the Vikings have been relatively healthy. After this bye week, I can't see a whole rash of injuries. It could happen, but, you know, show me some precedent where it happened to where uh, the injuries were so cataclysmic for a team that was so far above the teams in their division that it cost them their division. Um, You know, this is in a situation where you had the Green Bay Packers who was an Aaron Rodgers shoulder injury away from having to put in a rookie from UCLA at the time, whose name I forgot, black guy, couldn't do the thing, couldn't get the job done. Aaron Rodgers got injured because Anthony Barr fell on the shoulder, which instituted a new rule in terms of protecting the quarterback, saying that you cannot fall on a quarterback after you have placed him on the ground. That rule dated back to that injury that ended um, Aaron Rodgers' season that year. So the Vikings, I think, are a lot more diverse in terms of being able to um, recover from an injury to an important player in the second half of their season, the back nine of their season. And like I said before, in the division that they play in, it would take a whole lot of injuries and a whole lot of luck for them, I think, to uh, collapse and not win their division. Again, two and a half games up. I think that they've uh, pretty much got that in the bag from the outside looking in. So, yeah, how about that? Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Hey, Dallas Cowboys fans. Cowboys fans. What did y'all think about Dak Prescott? Came back for the uh, Cowboys. How did he look? How did he play? A little rust there, right? He was a little rusty at the beginning, right? Then he got a little bit better. Completed all 14 attempts of his passes that were 10 yards or less, but he went 19 for 25, 207, a touchdown. Are we are we clamoring now? Are you guys clamoring for Cooper Rush? Are you guys happy now that the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, is starting to add a little bit more blend, add a little bit more balance into what's going on with this team? He's not having Dak Prescott throw the ball around 45 to 50 times a game. He's now realizing that he's got himself a pretty strong running game. He's got himself a really strong defense that he didn't need to put his defense or his team in um, disadvantaged situations. So he's going to go back and go to a strategy which has worked before. Now, Dak Prescott a lot better than Cooper Rush. And I think in a situation where he came back after missing, what, five weeks? Wasn't it five weeks, man? That uh, Prescott missed because of injury? Yeah, yeah. So he missed five weeks, so it's like, hey, man, he comes back, 
if you, if you don't do anything for over a month, it's kind of hard to come back and be at the level that you were in terms of what you're expected to be. But Dak Prescott being the $40 million man, I mean, we're going to give him a lot more responsibilities than Cooper Rush. We're going to have a game plan that is going to be much more aggressive than Cooper Rush, no matter how great Dallas defense has been. And they've been great. They've been awesome. They've been wonderful. And I've been saying this time and time and time again on my podcast, no defense over the last four games in which Cooper Rush had played no defense had had more responsibility for the success of their team than the Dallas Cowboys. So for what they did makes them during that period of time the best, the most elite in terms of defensive squad, defensive units in the league so far or through that stretch because of what they needed to do to win football games. But now since Dak Prescott is back, the inevitable is going to happen. Dallas, especially when you start facing the better team, Dallas, if they're looking to win a Super Bowl, they're not going to be shutting down the Philadelphia Eagles. They're not going to be shutting down some of the better squads. God forbid, heaven forbid, heaven help us all. And I'm not talking about the song sung by Stevie Wonder or David Ruffin. Heaven help us all. If the Dallas Cowboys make it to the Super Bowl, they have to play the Kansas City football team or the Buffalo Bills or the Cincinnati Bengals. They're not going to be able to hold those squads to 14 and 17 points a game. So it's going to be a situation where Dak Prescott is going to be needed. Dak Prescott is going to be instrumental to make sure that the Cowboys reach their expectations for the season in the preseason when they were ranked as one of the better teams in the NFL. The first game, good first game back against a team that they knew pretty much if they went out and played pretty well that they were going to beat. They beat handily the Detroit Lions. Started off slowly again but came back and won in a comfortable way. Everybody has good vibe. Everybody was in good rhythm. So they go out there. Next week, they play the Chicago Bears. Is it the Chicago Bears? Someone looked that up for me, right? I think they play the Chicago Bears, but they should be able to handle the Chicago Bears. They go into the bye week feeling good. That gets a little bit more rest while shaking off some of the rust of being out for five weeks. So it was a really good day. It was an awesome day for those Dallas Cowboys. Solid overall team victory, shall we say. Ezekiel Elliott has two touchdowns. Tony Pollard had 14 touches for 109 total yards. Defense again. Fourth, five Detroit turnovers, holding the Lions to just six points, led to three, oh, it's had five sacks and forced uh, three turnovers by the Lions. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a good week. It was a good week for those those better teams, speaking in the, in the NFC. Next segment, I'll be talking about the uh, teams in the AFC. My uh, podcast last week, I was speaking about the best teams in the NFC. Who is the best team in the NFC. And that's a question that still deserves a question in terms of, we don't know. Yeah, it's Philadelphia. Yeah, it's the Dallas Cowboys. But after that, isn't it just just a clump of teams that, okay, do we really believe in the Giants? Do we really believe in the Giants? They they, they came back and get and beat Jacksonville. I know, Jacksonville and Duval County. I, what What is the big deal about that? Duval County, Duval County, Duval. Can y'all just say Jacksonville, Florida? Why do y'all have to do with the Duval County, Duval County? It's like, all right, man, whatever. But uh, Scott Hansen on the NFL uh, Red Zone channel, every time they showed a uh, highlight, Duval County, Duval County. It's like, all right. Y'all get paid, what, a, a nickel every time y'all mention that or something like that? And y'all need money? So interesting. But uh, are the Giants, can we? 
Are the Giants just doing this by smoke and mirrors? What's happening here? What's going on? Christian McCaffrey <clears throat> supposed to be a huge upgrade for the San Francisco 49ers. And they are. And he is a big upgrade for the San Francisco 49ers. The only problem is you still got Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback. And the only problem is, is while DeMarco Ryans and the defense for the 49ers are good, they're really good. I don't know if they're good enough to, to be like they were a couple of years ago when they were over, able to overcome Jimmy Garoppolo and make a run to the Super Bowl. I don't know if that defense is going to be injury-free enough or be injury-free at the right time to be able to be dominant enough in a playoff game, in a NFC Championship game or playoff game to overcome Jimmy Garoppolo. So it'll be interesting. And... With the history of Christian McCaffrey, we're all going on the assumption in terms of this was a great pickup, this was a victory, this was a big move by the San Francisco 49ers. We're on the assumption that Christian McCaffrey is going to be healthy, rip, roaring, and ready to go in January, in December. What in the history of Christian McCaffrey, especially over the last couple of years, which says that you can say without... uh, equivocation that that's going to be happening so yeah the 49ers is a big question mark the the Los Angeles Rams how were the Rams at one point thinking about getting Christian McCaffrey they don't have anything then they sell out in terms of their draft picks and their capital to go out last year and win themselves the Super Bowl when they acquired in-season Odell Beckham Jr. and um, Vaughn Miller to go along with getting Matthew Stafford and stuff. Where do they keep coming up with resources to even think about the possibility of going out and getting themselves a player to the degree or to the level of a Christian McCaffrey? So the Los Angeles Rams, we don't know about. They they need another they need another wide receiver to complement Cooper Cup and uh, Taylor Higby more than they need a running back, in my opinion. Even though running back is a is, is a is a need for that team right now, along with a better offensive line. But we don't know about the Los Angeles Rams. We don't know about a lot of these teams. We don't know about the uh, Green Bay Packers. We don't know about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'll get to them in a second. So, yeah, and the NFC is wide open. And then the AFC, which I'll get to again in my next segment, we don't know. We've got Kansas City. We've got Buffalo. I'm going to go after the last couple of games that we have Cincinnati making that turn to being um, division and conference contenders. But outside of that, who else are we going on? Who else are we hanging our hats on? Baltimore? Tennessee? The Chargers? Who? Not the Colts, right? Not anybody outside of Tennessee in the AFC South, right? I mean, do you believe in anybody in the NFC North outside of Cincinnati and Baltimore? Definitely not Pittsburgh this year. Definitely not Cleveland this year. So interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll get to them in the next segment. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Here's who I want to talk about, though. Surprise and disappointing teams in the league through week seven. I'll get to the Jets, another surprise team, but a team that you have to have. You have to be asking yourself some questions about. Fun squad, fun little squad, happy little squad, happy little story, the New York Jets. But still, I'll get to the next segment. But in terms of disappointing teams, what in the wide world of sports is going on with the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? What is going on with them, man? Can you please answer me that question? Because I don't know. 
I don't know. You've heard me talk about this. You've heard me go on and on about this, especially with Tampa Bay, especially with Tom Brady. You've heard me talk about this, right? So I'm going to say it again, just in case your ears aren't too well as far as hearing is concerned, just in case you didn't take the wax out them ears. Let me go ahead and speak about what's happening in Tampa Bay with Tom Brady one more time. After I ask you this question in terms of what's happening with the Green Bay Packers. Did you see that game on Sunday with the, uh, with my commanders lost their, the Packers lost their third game in a row. They lost before to the New York Giants in London, a game where they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Then they got embarrassed at home the week after that against the New York Jets. Maybe you could say it was jet lag. Maybe you could say it was just one bad game. Maybe you could say bad day at the office or something like that. The Jets played well, blah, blah, blah. Hey, man, you know, two losses in a row. Giants, Jets, maybe a little bit later on down the road, we look at that and say that's not too bad of a loss. But at this point in time, even though those two teams have a combined record of 11-3, and I'm still saying, nah, man, those are teams I thought that the Green Bay Packers should have beaten, especially when you're speaking about the New York Jets at home in a game where Zach Wilson barely averaged, barely threw for 100 yards and only completed 10 passes and only threw the ball 19 times. You would have thunk that the Packers would have won that game. But is it just me? Can y'all tell me, is it just me? In terms of I'm not giving enough respect to those two teams and maybe, still maybe, I'm hard-headed about what's happening in Green Bay in terms of they're just not that good. Lost to my commanders with Taylor Heineke at quarterback, 23-21. Green Bay led 14-3 at one point in the second quarter, but Washington was able to mount a comeback to take a 2014 lead in the third, then held on for the victory. Heineke played well enough going 20-33 of for 201 yards with two touchdowns and an interception. Here's the thing, though, man. Aaron Rodgers, I spoke about age. We speak about age. You speak about age. When you're at work talking to your homeboys and homegirls, you speak about age. When you're at the barbershop and you're speaking about these guys getting old, you speak about it in terms of father time's undefeated. I'm sorry, have you seen that Nike commercial? LeBron, you ain't winning. You can't outsing the guy. You can't outplank the guy. And if you have a three-point shooting contest, you're not going to win that either. But man, father time is undefeated. And we see Aaron Rodgers. And I'm, maybe we're seeing it also with Tom Brady. I mean, the man Tom Brady is 45 fucking years old. You got to go down sometime. You got to fall off the cliff sometime. You got to hit the brick wall sometime. That brick wall is there. Death, taxes, getting old. It sucks, man. It's horrible, man. Mentally fantastic. It's wonderful. It's awesome. Ask any of us. <laughs> Ask any of us old folks. Growing old mentally it's great because you're so glad you ain't going to be doing the stupid shit that you did in your 20s and in your 30s. You're so glad that you're more knowledgeable. You're so glad that you don't need the the, the same bullshit type of uh, rush and fun. Hopefully you're not that you wanted to do that you were doing all the stupid shit that you did in your 20s. Now that you're in your 40s, now that you're in your 50s, some of us, not me, but some of you guys who have families and your fathers and your and your and your Uh, husbands and your you know all those type of things that you have more responsibilities some of y'all have grown kids that you're taking care of some of some of y'all have grandkids some of y'all have those type of things it's so nice mentally that we're not at the same place that we were in our 20s taking care of what we need to take of today in our 40s and 50s because if it was we still had that mentality we'd be in trouble but now in our 50s mentally it's awesome physically it sucks 
physically, it really, really sucks. And when I'm watching these games, especially an NBA game, and I get the feeling, I get that kind of tingly feeling to want to go out and shoot some hoops because I see Kyrie Irving do something stupid as far as basketball skills is concerned. Or I'm watching a great game and Steph Curry is bombing three-pointers and KD is taking folks off the dribble and LeBron is doing the thing. And you have a little bit of a flashback and it's like, man, I want to go out on the court and do some things. And you realize because of your age that that ain't happening. Like mentally, yeah. Physically, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? The mental goes to the physical and says... Hey, man, that game was fantastic. That game was awesome. I feel great. I feel wonderful. I feel rejuvenated. I want to get back out there and relive what I was doing when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, when I was in my young 20s. Man, let's get a basketball. Let's go to the court. Let's go to the park and play some ball. That's what your mental says to your physical. And the physical looks at your mental and says, Negro, you must be fucking out of your mind. You really think right now I'm in the mood to be running around and jumping? Do you want both of your knees torn? Do you want every ligament in your knees ripped? Do you want every muscle fiber in your legs torn? Because that's exactly what's going to happen. Do you want to be facing nothing but, 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 but pain and misery for a while? Because that's exactly what's going to be happening if you run out there and you start playing ball thinking that you're in your teens or in your 20s again. Sit your fat, worn out, worn out, pathetic ass down. And let's watch some porn. Joking. But yeah, it's like, man, I'm not doing that bullshit. So yeah, point is, growing old mentally, fantastic. Growing old physically, sucks. Aaron Rodgers, thinking still mentally better than he's ever been. But man, physically, I don't know. This is not the guy who looks like the two-time MVP the last two years. And it's uh, it's more than just well, Devontae Adams is gone. Nah, man, it's deeper than that. Yeah, it's going to some trust issues, not just with the wide receiving core, but with the offensive line in general. But he looks nothing, nothing like the guy that won the MVP the last uh, two seasons. And you just can't sit there and say, well, it's all because of Dante, uh, Devontae Adams. Like if Devontae Adams was there, he would still be doing what he was doing. He would still be on the same level as a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. No, man. It's the fact that, what, Rodgers has been in this game for, what, 15, 16, 17 years, something crazy like that? And he's 38 years old? Hey, man, it happens. It happens. Against Washington, He was 23 of 35, 194 yards, two touchdowns. Going into the fourth quarter, Rodgers was 13 of 21 for 81 yards. Damn. Majority of his passes were check downs, short passes, somewhere between the yardage of of one yard to 10 yards. Alan Lazard was the guy who had the most yards, 55 yards. That's it, 55 yards on six catches. Aaron Jones added 53 yards receiving on one on, on nine receptions. He caught nine passes for 53 yards. Nine passes for 53 yards, and Green Bay had 232 total yards of offense against Washington, a mediocre defense. I know. Packers averaged four and a half yards per play, well below the 5.6 the Commanders allowed in the first six weeks. Panic time? I don't know. Realistic time? Yeah. We need to start thinking about some things. Over the first three quarters of this game, Green Bay punted five times while only putting together one drive that went more than 40 yards. They went 0 of 6 on third downs and had four drop passes. What in the world is going on with the Green Bay Packers? 
And again, it's not just Aaron Rodgers and the wide receivers. This is not just a we need, we need, this is not just a we need Devontae Adams back. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon rushed for only 38 yards combined on 12 carries against one of the league's worst run defenses. This is a total collapse of a team because the defense, again, was supposed to be the unit. The running game and the defense was supposed to be the unit that was supposed to keep Green Bay afloat. But against Washington, they gave up 22 first downs. Washington was 7 of 16 on third down conversions. They allowed the uh, commanders to rush for 30, uh, 166 yards on 38 carries. Washington had the ball on offense for over 37 minutes. It was a total collapse of the Packers when you think about this. So it's blame to go around, but if we're speaking and if we're thinking, if we're pontificating about what's going to be happening with the Packers moving forward and Aaron Rodgers coming to the rescue or Aaron Rodgers getting in shape and Aaron Rodgers is just playing his way back into the Aaron Rodgers that he was one, two, three, four, five years ago. Look at man, mileage, age, it happens. It happens. And as Dan Olosky was saying and other folks were saying who played the position and played at the highest level for a multitude of years, hey, man, this is a situation where Aaron Rodgers is not playing well. It's very obvious to the trained eye at the quarterback position that he doesn't trust his offensive line. He doesn't trust the wide receivers on this team. He doesn't trust his teammates on offense. And how are you going to turn that around? How are you going to build that trust? There is no diamond in the rough. You know, there is no jewel or gem uh, in that receiving car, receiving core for a Green Bay that's looking to jump out and become the number one wide receiver that can come even close, minute, to Devontae Adams. Man, when you're speaking about the talent difference between the Green Bay Packers' current wide receiving group and Devontae Adams, they couldn't see each other. They had a high-powered telescope, man. So moving forward, I'm taking a look again. You take a look at the Packers' schedule. They got Buffalo, then Detroit, or they're on the road against Buffalo and Detroit. Then at home for Dallas. And then a Thursday night game against Tennessee before you, before coming back to play at at uh, Philadelphia. And you take a look at the Vikings and what they're doing. Doesn't look good for the Green Bay Packers. Does not look good at all. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, speaking of difficult and disappointing teams, what is happening? They've now lost... Three of their last four games, they've hit rock bottom. I'm not talking about if you smell what Tampa Bay is cooking because it stinks. Losing to Carolina 21-3. You realize how bad that is, right? I mean, you. this was a team, remember when I was speaking about coming into the season and I was reading off the power rankings? Where did I have? Where did I say? Where did ESPN have, or where did Sports Illustrated, where did NFL.com, where did CBS Sports, where did where did all this stuff, where did where did they have Tampa Bay, right? Rank number two, rank number four, rank number five, at the very least, rank number seven, right? No one had them losing to a team that is basically tanking, like the Carolina Panthers. A team that had lost 12 of their last 13 games playing with a third-string quarterback and under an interim head coach. A team that earlier in the week management traded the best player, Christian McCaffrey, to the San Francisco 49ers. No! 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 Unacceptable, inexcusable. They've hit rock bottom, baby. 
they've hit rock bottom. Really? Because what do you think about that? It doesn't matter what you think about that. The Carolina Panthers have hit rock bottom. You feel me? So, P.J. Walker, third-string quarterback, threw for 177 yards and two touchdowns. The Panthers had 177 yards rushing against one of the best defenses in the league. The uh, Panthers had 383 total yards. And really, when you take a look at it so far, with the Buccaneers being 3-4, three, three and four, it really hasn't been the defense. What happened to the offense? The Buccaneers' offense remained completely inept. Coming into the game against Carolina, they were 21st, speaking about Tampa Bay on offense, 21st in the league in both total offense and scoring offense. They were averaging 332 yards per game and 20 points per game. That's 70 yards fewer and almost 10 points off of last year's pace. And against Carolina, just like it's been a problem um, when they've lost or when they've uh, had a multitude or when they've had losing streaks, it's about balance on offense. There's no balance. There's no balance between a running game and a passing game. Against Carolina, they had 16 carries, only got 46 yards, and they threw the ball 49 times and only threw for 290 yards. Tampa Bay converted just 2 of 12 third downs in the game, and they punted on his first five possessions, and that's not counting the end of the half. You want to know how bad it is? Tom Brady is on this team, right? Tom Brady, the GOAT, the unbelievable, one of the best football players, the icon, the public uh, the, the public hero, all this type of stuff, right? The man who's defying father time, the man who at 44 is still going out there and leading the team and leading the league and passing and touchdowns. When I say 44, I'm speaking about the season that he had last season. How about this season? Tom Brady. Do you realize Tom Brady at quarterback? Do you realize Tampa Bay this season on third down conversions of seven or more yards? Do you realize they are four of 43? Four of 43 on third down conversions of seven yards or more. That's somewhere around 9%. This This isn't a small sample, man. This is not a small, I know, this is not a small sample. Four for 43, are you kidding me? So, hey, how much of this is on Tom Brady? Look, his completion percentage and yards per attempt are similar to 2021, but his passing yards per game are down almost 35 yards. He's thrown, what, he threw for, what, 43 touchdowns last season, right? This year he only has seven or eight and seven games so far. I mean, you're throwing everything else. You throw in all this other stuff, nonsense that uh, he's dealing with off the field. Look, we can sit here and talk about, yeah, you know what? Rob Gronkowski is no longer playing. Chris Godwin, Mike Evans are not playing close to their ability and production for the past two seasons. Uh, Julio Jones has been injured and is not counted on. The team is averaging only three yards per carry, and Leonard Fournette is averaging only 3.6 yards per carry. The offensive line has suffered multiple uh, multiple of in- injuries, including a key injury to uh, their uh, center. So this has been something that the uh, Buccaneers and Tom Brady has had to deal with. I don't care, man. I don't care. It's a situation where I'm, I'm interested to see if in that locker room, are players getting tired of Tom Brady? And is Tom Brady getting tired of his players or of his teammates? Because when the last time Tom Brady has gone through this? In 23 seasons, 
When was the last time Tom Brady went through a season like this so far? When has Tom Brady looked this bad in his career? When is when in his 23 years of playing football in the NFL has Tom Brady looked so underwhelming and looked so feeble and looked so adept and looked so clueless in terms of how he can turn this around through seven games? And for a guy like Tom Brady who's been to, what, 11, 10 Super Bowls and has won seven of them? Now he's 45 years old, everything that's going on in his life off the field, and now he's dealing with this? I don't know, man. It's like when you retire... It's almost like when you retire, you should sometimes kind of stay retired. And what was his motivation for retiring at the beginning and then coming back and that whole, I don't know, couple of months whirlwind that he had where he was retiring and then um, not, and then he decided he was going to come back. I think it's a situation where, man, Tom Brady doesn't know how to react to this. Tom Brady has never had any type of dealings of this in terms of not being able to figure this out. He's never had a, a season like this so far. And I don't think he knows how to handle it. And for a guy who's been playing football for 23 years, and this is the first time he's going through this, I mean, we speak about Tom Brady has been through everything. No, he hasn't. He hasn't been through this. He hasn't had to deal with this. So I don't know if it's a situation in at this point in his life. I don't know if he really wants to deal with this. And how he's reacting, again, how's he communicating? How's his relationship in terms of trying to win football games with his teammates? And how do his teammates feel about him? It'll be interesting. I don't know. I'm not in that I'm not in that locker room. So I don't know. But I think it's a question down in Tampa Bay, in Tampa, Florida, that needs to be asked. The only silver lining for Tampa, and one of the reasons why I say if any team can turn this around, we can speak about the two most disappointing teams, the Packers, And the Buccaneers, the one silver lining for Tampa Bay, and the only reason why I say Tampa has a chance to right the ship is because of the division that they play in. I think when you speak about the NFC South, it's the worst division in football. When you think about the um, Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons are tied for first place at three and four, even though... Tampa Bay owns a tiebreaker because of their victory over Atlanta. But they're tied for first place still at 3-4. and four. Carolina and New Orleans are 2-5, and five, only one game behind. And you take a look at the other quarterbacks in that division, when you're speaking about P.J. Walker for Carolina, Marcus Mariota for Atlanta, and Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton for New Orleans, you have to think that, man, even though Brady so far has been 1-2 and two against those teams, you still have to think that, man, if anybody, if anyone, if any team is going to be able to turn this around, again, with the Packers, it's been a defensive and offensive problem to why they've been underachieving and underwhelming. For the Buccaneers, it's mainly been the offense. And you have one of the greatest football players who's ever played and the greatest quarterback, arguably, who's ever played, having the ability to fix it in a division which is going to allow you to slip, stumble, fall, fail, and still make the playoffs. So going into the (laughs) week eight game, man, nothing written in stone. I'm not writing these two teams off, but there's trouble. There's trouble. You don't want, I want to be the last person off the bandwagon in terms of Tom Brady and uh, Aaron Rodgers in terms of their demise is concerned, but uh, they've got some problems. It'll be really interesting to see how both of those franchises and both of those quarterbacks go about 
trying to get those problems fixed. Take five for just a quick second as I get down to the sounds of Dave Brubeck, the legendary Dave Brubeck. Wendell Wallace here of Wendell's World in Sports. I hope that you're enjoying this podcast episode. You know, I do an NBA video episode every Wednesday or Thursday on my YouTube channel. That's Wendell's World in Sports, spelled W-E-N-D-E-L-L apostrophe S, World in Sports. If you like what you are listening to, if you like what you see, especially the single ladies between the ages of 42 and 49 over on my YouTube channel as I speak about the everyday of the NBA, speak about LeBron and the Los Angeles Lakers, Steph and the Golden State Warriors, Bradley Beal and the Washington Wizards, KD and Kyrie of the Brooklyn Nets, all the latest and greatest which is happening in the association. Go over to my YouTube channel and give it a listen to. Subscribe to my channel and like. But very much appreciate it. So now... Back to my program. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Yes, as I mentioned before, my YouTube channel is going to be devoted to the NBA and to my Georgetown Hoyas. Um, a lot of highlights. Really enjoyed doing the NBA preview. If you haven't checked that out, check it out. It was uh, very enjoyable to do, and I didn't feel rushed. I didn't. Want, I don't want to do any more. Th- I used to do three-hour podcasts. And everybody who I knew would sit up there and say, no one's going to listen to a three-hour podcast. No one's going to listen to a two-and-a-half-hour podcast. I'm like, all right, all right, shit up. I'll go ahead and knock it down a little bit. But you know how I ramble and how I talk. So uh, you can only cut it down for so much. So when I get it going, when I get that rhythm, when I get the uh, feeling, when I get the feeling, and I think about some of the honeys whose kisses I'm going to be stealing, I start going ahead and speaking about what's going on in sports and a segment that I want to have be only 15 minutes turns into 40. <laughs> turns into 45 minutes. I'm like, what happened? So, uh, you know, this gives me the availability because I have an outline. I have bullet points of what I want to talk about, but something enters my head while I'm talking about it. And I'm didn't plan on expounding on it, but I expound and I expound and I expound and I turn around and just like a clown getting on down to my man, James Brown, I take a look at the time when it's like, whoops, talk, talk a little bit too much. It kind of rattles me. So this gives me the opportunity when I'm speaking about the NBA to take my time and do my thing and not worry about how long the podcast is. I can put it in a decent amount of time. And then I can add highlights so people want to be taking a look at this face for an hour or an hour and 15 minutes or something like that. So it's all good in the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no delaying. Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So my YouTube episodes dealing with the NBA is going to be coming out either Wednesday nights or Thursdays. And of course, my audio episodes of what's happening in the world of sports, mainly the NFL and the um, college football is going to be 
put out on the audio episodes, which will be coming out on Tuesday. I'm recording this again on a Monday night. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Quickly, some news that I want to get into. Um, The Matt Ryan era in Indy is over. And so are the chances for the Colts to be competing for the playoffs or championships, right? Sam Ellinger, really? That's going to be your guy? Um, The Colts bench... Matt Ryan, quarterback Matt Ryan, will start Sam Ellinger the rest of the way. Head coach Frank Wright announced this on Monday. The Colts will start Ellinger at quarterback for the remainder of the season. Now, Mike Chappell, uh, Fox 59, CBS 4 in Indianapolis, first reported that Ryan had been benched. And Zach Keeler of The Athletic reported that Ryan had a grade two shoulder separation and wouldn't practice this week. But then coach Wright said that the move to Ellinger would have happened anyway, and the plan is for him to start the rest of the season. The Colts are 3-3-1 this season, including 1-3-1 against the AFC South opponents. Matt Ryan, I thought this was a deal where this was going to be a big upgrade in terms of the Colts getting themselves a quarterback and ridding themselves of Carson Wentz. But uh, so far this season, Ryan has completed only 203 of 297 pass attempts for 2,008 yards. But has thrown nine interceptions, fumbled 11 times, losing three of them, and he's looked bad. Now, the offensive line has been awful in Indianapolis. Jonathan Taylor has not shown the same form that he showed when he was one of the best players in the NFL, mainly because of injury and such, mainly because of an offensive line that's not the same as it was. So not only can they not open holes for Jonathan Taylor to run through, but they also cannot protect a 37-year-old Matt Ryan who's not the friskiest and the most elusive of quarterbacks. He's more Drew Bledsoe than he is Lamar Jackson. So because of that... um, Ryan has been under constant pressure, which has caused him to make some uh, pretty poor decisions. Even the game that they beat the, who did they beat when uh, it was uh, Jacksonville, right? Yeah, it was Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago where the play, the pass that Ryan threw for the touchdown was kind of like a wounded duck, which came with Jacksonville defenders all around his area and all around his feet and his tiddly toes. So, yeah, man, it's time for the Sam Ellinger era in in Indianapolis to begin, here's a situation, idiocy, nonsense policy, not a good policy, here's a situation, idiocy, nonsense, violence, not a good policy, thank you, thank you Queen, but this is a situation where if you're a fan of the, of the Indianapolis Colts, yes, because now guess what, we might have a chance to get ourselves, if you believe in Frank Wright at the quarterback, now it's interesting, right, because Frank Wright, for the longest of times, was this guy who was supposed to be the guy that was kind of like Kyle Shanahan or something like that in terms of quarterbacks are concerned, right? He was the guy that got the best out of Carson Wentz. He was the guy that was going to be able to get the most out of quarterbacks, right? Well, he failed with Carson Wentz part duh. He failed. I shouldn't say he failed, but Phillip Rivers was at the end of his rope when he was um, coaching Rivers in Indianapolis before he retired. But they went out and got Carson Wentz and it was supposed to revitalize his career because he was going to be going to the coach which got the best out of them and understood them the best and they had a pretty good relationship on and off the uh, field and this was going to be great and Carson Wentz didn't even last a year before they moved on and got rid of him and brought in Matt Ryan. Now it's a situation where again, just like Carson Wentz, last season for the Colts with Frank Wright coaching them, Matt Ryan doesn't finish the season, not because of injury so much so as because of poor performance. 
So how much of that reputation of Frank Wright being a quarterback whisperer or being the quarterback guru, how much does that how much does that moniker take a hit when now this is the second time? Strike one with Carson, one strike two with uh Matt Ryan. How much does that take a hit in terms of, you know, that moniker being nothing but just a pile of shit in the year of twenty twenty two, moving on to twenty twenty three? What is he gonna do with Sam Ellinger? Now, if you believe in Frank Wright and you have visions of grandeur dancing in your head because the possibility of you guys drafting a quarterback if this season does go off the rails with Ellinger as your quarterback, then this might be a good thing. This might be a glass half full type of thing. But I don't know exactly what Ellinger can do. I don't know. I have no idea. So we'll we'll, we'll see. He, Ellinger has appeared in only three NFL games. He's never thrown a pass in the regular season so we'll see what happens Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host Wendell Wallace, so glad that you could be with us as I mentioned before in the first um, as I mentioned before in the first segment of the program I need to ask you, who are the best teams in the in the AFC? I went over a little bit about the best teams in the uh, NFC, who are the, excuse me, who are the best teams in the AFC, uh, I'm, I'm sorry who are the best teams in the AFC? We got the Buffalo Bills, right? Kansas City football team, right? I'm not going to say their nickname, so I'm going to say the Kansas City football team. They used to be champions, right? They're the two best teams in the league. Can we agree on that? Are you down with that? Do you understand that, right? No argument here. No eye rolling here. No crazy looks at me here, right? Okay. After that, who do we got? Who do you got? Because I've got the Cincinnati Bengals. They're starting to make that move to close that gap. But then after that, who do you got, man? You can go ask your friend. You can ask your homegirls, ask your homeboys. Go ahead and ask your parents. Who are the best teams in the AFC? They'll give you Kansas City and they'll give you Buffalo. Maybe if they're following the NFL, they'll say it's Bengals. But then after that, who do we go to? Ask your kids. Ask your husband. Ask your wife. Who do we got after this? Again, I've got the Bengals, but I don't know. Is it Tennessee? Baltimore? Kansas City was absolutely magnificent Sunday against the 49ers. 44-23. They were down 10-0 before exploding for 30 points in the second half. Good morning, good abend, good night, right? Patrick Mahomes was brilliant. 25 of 34, 423, three touchdowns. Hello. Best in the game, man. Best in the game. Had his best game of the season, I think. Right? Tampa Bay, he was awesome. Vegas, he was pretty good. But the star of the show, it keeps changing. When you're speaking about, you know, what's happening, what's going on, right? Against the Raiders, for instance, Travis Kelsey with the guy who caught all four of Mahomes' touchdown passes. Against San Francisco on Sunday, uh, Hardeman, Hardeman with the guy. Mikel McCole Hardeman was the man, the main star, along with Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquise Valdez-Stantling. Scantling. Marquise that's a Negro name I've ever heard one. Hey, yo, Marquise. The team had 523 yards against one of the best and elite defenses in the league. Um, but it was a total team effort again. Defense came through, putting consistent pressure on Garoppolo. They had five sacks, four three turnovers, called to safety. All pro defensive tackle Chris Jones had two sacks. You know what? I can't 
<laughs> I just keep going on and on and on about Patrick Mahomes. But I'm telling you, man, he's like LeBron. You know, he's like Tom Brady. He's like Peyton Manning. He's like one of these guys. He's like Clayton Kershaw. He's like Shohei Hotani. He's like Aaron Judge. He's like one of these guys. He's like one of these cats. Please take advantage of watching this guy do a thing. How great is Patrick Mahomes? He's earned a perfect 99 passing score on third and long this season, which is seven and seven or more yards. The Chief had uh, the Chief, the, the the Kansas City had the highest conversion rate on third and long in the season since 2000. They're almost at 50 percent. They're almost at 50 percent of converting third down and long. The the, the pass that he threw to what was it? Was it uh, was it Schuster? Was it was it Schuster or was it uh, Scantling? That path that came down on, what, 3rd and 20 or 3rd and 12, that bomb that he hit uh, in the third quarter? I'm telling you, Kansas City, because of Mahomes, might have the only team. They might be the only team. You could throw in Buffalo or Josh Allen, okay. But just as far as pure passing is concerned and the passing game is concerned, he doesn't have a Stephon Diggs. He doesn't have a true number one receiver. His number one receiver right now is playing for uh, some guy named Tua in Miami. But without an elite receiver, without a Devontae Adams, without one of those cats, Kansas City, because the Mahomes might be the only team in football where the passing game and offense is dangerous in any situation or any element, right? Because we always talk about you have a good defense. The one great thing about the defense and the running game is that it travels anywhere. I don't care what the elements are. I mean, you could be freezing cold. It could be strong winds. It could be, you know, snow on the field. It could be monsoon. It could be raining, right? But if you have a running game, if you have a defense, it really doesn't matter. If you have that at your foundation, you're always going to be in those games. Because if you try to throw the ball in frigid uh, conditions or swirling winds or monsoon, you know, heavy rainstorm type of uh, th- of, of conditions or elements on the field, then you're not going to be as successful. I would disagree, and, and and I think that's true. The the only thing I would disagree about that is only if you have Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes at your quarter as your quarterback. That regardless of what it is, it could be like that Monday Night Football game last year between the. New England Patriots and Buffalo Bills. Remember where Matt Jones only threw the ball like three times because the elements, the weather elements were so un, were so incredible that throwing the football was not a good idea because of the wind and the and the and the cold and that type of things. Kansas City is the only team with Patrick Mahomes where I would say I don't give a fuck. Keep throwing it. <laughs> Doesn't matter. We ain't changing shit. We might run the ball a little bit more this that and the other, but we are not going to drastically change the way that we play football because Patrick Mahomes still throwing the football regardless of who he's throwing it to is still the best option for us to win a game and is still one of the best options in the league in the league to win a game. So yeah, Jalen Hurts can go ahead and he can run the football from the quarterback position. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen can be runners like Jalen Hurts at the quarterback position, which you think would be advantageous, again, if the elements are not conducive to be throwing the football all over the yard. Patrick Mahomes, despite not having that type of ability, he's elusive. He's a decent enough athlete to make them plays outside of the pocket and with his legs, but you're not going to be calling any RPOs in terms of him running the football like they ask Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen or Kyler Murray or back in the day, Russell Westbrook. Damn it, Russell Wilson to uh, do a thing. But uh, still, it's, he can still maneuver. He can still be elusive, and he can still make some things happen off center 
off script for, with the passing game. So Kansas City, just a marvelous, marvelous football team. And Patrick Mahomes, just a marvelous, marvelous football player. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Um, I mentioned before about Buffalo. I mentioned before about Kansas City. Watch out for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now tied with Baltimore for first place in the AFC North. Joe Burrow became the first player in NFL history to have five games of 400 or more passing yards in his first three seasons to get the Falcons. My man Joey B went 34 of 42 for 481 yards passing. 345 of those was in the first half alone. Had over 500 yards of total offense with his passing and running abilities. Receiver Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, both eclipsed the 100-yard mark. In the first half, Boyd finished with a career-high 155 yards on eight catches. Chase did the dirty and did the grimy and did the gritty and did the G- triple G with eight passes for 130 yards and two touchdowns. T. Higgins, the often sometimes forgotten member of that wide receiving squad, had five receptions for 93 yards, including a 22-yard gain that set up the Burrow touchdown bl- uh, plunge in the third quarter to cap off the Bengals scoring. They were awesome, man. And and now this team is starting to get it together. The offensive line still has question marks. The offensive line is still a bark is still a work in progress. But still, when you think about it, when you think about now how the passing game, you still have Joe Nixon, even though they're not running the ball as much as you might like them to to, to run the football and establish themselves a running game. And when you have wide receivers like the Bengals have and you have a quarterback like Joe Burrow has puts him in the same category as Buffalo and Kansas City to where hey look sometimes it ain't all about 50-50 in terms of all balance offensive balance is concerned sometimes 65-35 when you have wide receivers like the Bengals you have uh, a quarterback like the Bengals sometimes 65-35 65 passing 35 rushing is just as good as 50-50 when it comes to run pass ratio so look the Bengals on defense also underrated they've not surrendered a single second half touchdown this year they've had one rough cutter quarter they had one rough uh quarter against the Falcons where they allowed them to score 17 points in that period but other than that they completely shut them down like PE um it was something but take a look at the other teams in the conference man the New York Jets do you believe in the New York Jets I, wonderful, awesome. Hey, you know, take a receipts. Robert Sala, way to go. This, that, and the other. <laughs> you, you can you really be serious as a contender with the quarterback play of Zach Wilson? Now you have a situation where Brees Hall is going to be out for the rest of the season with an ACL injury. My man has 681 yards for scrimmage this season. Was the most valuable player on that team. We saw the difference in terms of the efficiency that the Jets were on offense when Hall was in the game compared to when he was not in the game, that's got to hurt. That's got to be a problem. That's got to be concerning. That puts a little bit more pressure on Zach Wilson, and you don't want that to happen, correct? J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets fan, is that correct? Am I correct? Am I bullshitting? Am I non-sensitizing you guys? Come on now. I don't know. Tennessee 4-2. and two. Again, Ryan Tannehill. Don't know. Bill Belichick is getting his ass kicked right now by the Chicago Bears and has some guy named Bailey Zappi at quarterback and he's floundering back and forth between whether he's going to go to Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. But either one, are they the savior for the New England Patriots moving forward? I don't know. Baltimore Ravens, they're 4-3, and three, right? 
But, man, can you get a good read on this team? Because I can't. I don't know what's happening with this squad in terms of, you know, how they're going to be playing. You don't know about them, even at the fourth quarter, even in the second half, where they have multiple possession leads. And they're giving them away, not just on the road, but also at home. So who knows? Lamar Jackson has been up and down. I mean, Lamar Jackson betting on himself. But Lamar Jackson, to me, doesn't look like a quarterback that should be paid in the same uh, stature, the same uh, relevance as a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes or one of the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. Not the way that he's playing right now. I don't, I'm not saying that he shouldn't give himself a big bag. I shouldn't, I'm not saying that he shouldn't get himself a bag big enough for a bank truck to be carrying his, his, his money in. But, but man, I mean, he was angling for Deshaun Watson type guaranteed money. And it's not the way that he's playing. But then if you're Baltimore, where do you go with that? That's another subject for another day. But the thing that I'm saying is that I'm starting to get a little bit worried in terms of, you, you kind of got, got to be getting a little bit worried if you're a Baltimore Raven fan, correct? About, man, is this team really good enough to do some things and get the job done moving on this season? Um, they don't have the defense that they normally have, the play that they're playing on offense. Who knows? The wide receiver position, Rashad Bateman, and then um, the guys haven't got it together. Mark Andrews still, be, still is the only one who's a legit threat from uh, the wide receiving core. So who knows, man? Interesting times, interesting times. And, of course, you got teams like you know, the Vegas Raiders, 2-4, and four, Jacksonville, Denver, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, they're all 2-5. Uh, Houston won four and one. Jacksonville, Denver, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Speaking about disappointing teams, I should have added the Denver Broncos in there. Russell Wilson didn't play on Sunday, but uh, another disappointing team, the Los Angeles Chargers. They're four and three, but didn't you think they'd be better than what they are right now? And now they have some injuries along the defensive side of the football that's going to uh, impact them in a negative way. So AFC wide open, man. But we know who the Kings are. We know who the teams are. We know who the cream of the crop of that division, if I could use that cliche, are the Kansas City football team, the Buffalo Bills with the Cincinnati Bengals coming. Who is going to make that next move? Is it going to be the Ravens? Is it going to be the Chargers? Is it going to be Tennessee? Can the Jets still maintain? We will see. We will see. Last segment of the podcast, last segment of the program, Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us very quickly. College football, getting closer to finding out who's going to be doing what, who's going to be going where, who's going to be dealing what in terms of the college football playoffs are concerned. The new top 10 rankings, Georgia number one, Ohio State number two. 
Tennessee, them volunteers. My man Sterling hitting you to play for them boys down at number three. Michigan, number four. Clemson, number five. Alabama, number six. TCU. How about them Horn Frogs? Number seven. Oregon, number eight. Oklahoma State, number nine. And USC rounds out the top top ten. Georgia, Michigan, and USC had their buys this week to the best games on Saturday up there in Oregon, right? Where you had UCLA and Oregon. Oregon coming up with a very impressive 45-30 to 30 victory. Offensively, uh, they were impressive. Defensively, <laughs> still a little bit. <laughs> but 45-30, uh, um, great atmosphere for that game. Entertaining football game. Oregon is taking control of the Pac-10 title race. Pac-12 title race, excuse me, with wins over UCLA and Washington State, they still have to play Utah, but other than that, in in, uh, USC, but other than that, man, they're in control of their own destiny, they don't have to play USC, UCLA had to play USC, my bad, but uh, I just want to get to Bo Nix, because Bo Nix had one of the best games of his career, Bo Nix probably had the best game of his career since his first game as a freshman against, when he was at Auburn, they played Oregon, right, against Oregon, and even then he was so-so, but uh, man, the man with the man. Mr. Nix, 22 of 28, 283 yards, five touchdowns, ran for 51 more yards. He uh, just maybe got himself a place in New York, or at least put his name in terms of the thought discussion about Heisman Trophy, because who else is doing some things, right? Who who else is separating themselves from the pack, right? Uh, maybe the quarterback from Tennessee, but not Bryce Young, not C.J. Stroud, right? Who Who else out there? Is, is making some waves and doing some things. And, you know, and for that that award, I mean, we're still in a good enough stage to where, you know, either a Bo Nix or somebody else could can make a move. Now, how much does that drubbing that they had against Georgia at the beginning of the season, how much does that play into the strength or to the, uh, the, the eye test in terms of Oregon is concerned? Because I, I truly believe with this victory – and with USC still in the top ten and such, Utah still hanging around, even though uh, even though they lost uh, earlier in the season to Florida, the the Pac-12 is firmly in place for a spot in the college football playoff in terms of whoever wins that conference championship, whether it be USC, Oregon, UCLA, Utah. All those teams are are possible playoff to contenders, and I say that because. Um, the Pac-12 should be at the strength to where the winner of that championship game should be having a space in the college football playoffs. You know the way things are looking that the winner of the Big Ten game between Michigan and Ohio State or whoever's going to win that uh, championship game, be it Ohio State or Michigan, is going to take a place. Whoever's going to uh, win the SEC championship is going to be in there. Probably Clemson, if they continue to do what they're doing, and I don't see any team out there that's going to stop them, um, despite the mediocre play of DJ Uwe Ungale, um, don't see anybody coming to uh, knock off Clemson. So you're looking at three of those spots filled. Clemson, Ohio State, or Michigan, SEC Championship. So now it comes down to the Big 12 and the Pac-12. And right now, yeah, you got Oklahoma State, but... I mean, when push comes to shove, which way are the voters going to to move to? 
Now, again, there's still a whole lot of season left, and those questions will be answered. But at least now, with the way that the Pac-12 has rebounded in terms of teams are being viable contenders, um, it makes it so to where, hey, the winner of that championship game in the Pac-12, if it's Oregon or USC or UCLA or Utah, one of those four, they should get serious consideration for one of the spots in the college football playoff. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Oklahoma State over Texas, 41-34. to Again, it's a situation if you listen to Steve Sarkeesian. We, uh, we didn't lose. We just ran out of time. I'll never let him, I'll never let him uh, play that down. After Alabama beat Texas and Sarkeesian was up there talking about, you know what I told my team after the win, fellas, after the game, fellas, we didn't lose that game. We just ran out of time. What the fuck are you talking <laughs> What the hell are you talking about? You've got wins, you've got losses. That's the only thing that you, that's the only thing that counts. Wins or losses or or ties. There are no ties in college football anymore. So it's either wins or losses. It's not win losses or run out of times. Run out of time, right? So what what exactly is Texas now? Is, is Texas 5-1 and 2? What, what what is Texas? We've got 5 wins, one loss and two ran out of times. I mean, what what okay. So Oklahoma State Still moving on with that. Clemson, I didn't think Syracuse was going to win that game. I really didn't think Syracuse was going to win that game, and they didn't. Dino Favorites had done a great job for uh, the Orange Men, but they weren't going to win that game. But Clemson, Clemson is going to be one of those teams, I think, that if they do make the uh, college football playoffs, and they should, you know, people are speaking about, oh, you know, um, they'll play North Carolina in the championship game, the way things are going right now, that could be a test. Really? You mean the same Carolina team that gave up, what, 61 points to Appalachian State? That 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 team is supposed to be a threat to Clemson? I, I know their defense has taken a step back as far as the Tigers is concerned, but they haven't taken that much of a step back. So I think Clemson could be that team, say, for instance, if you had a college football playoff of... Tennessee, Jordan. If you had a if you had a playoff of Georgia, USC, Ohio State, and Clemson, Clemson would be the one that would be getting their ass kicked, right? There's always one team where you look and say, "Well, they didn't belong." I think that team this year, if you would take a look at those squads that would be in the playoffs, I think that team would be would be Clemson, despite some of the some of the deficiencies that uh, these. Pac-12 teams have, especially on defense. So, there you go. All right, I am out of here. Good to go, ready to flow. I want to thank everybody for listening to my podcast. Thank you so doggone much. As always, as I always tell you, and you, and you, please do what you can to make this world a better place. Please go ahead and find a knucklehead. Please go ahead and find a clown. Go ahead and find somebody who needs to be educated. Find somebody who needs your education, who needs your thought pattern, who needs to listen to what you have to say in terms of making them a better person. Go to a person who's different from you. Go to a person of a different skin color. Go to a person of a different gender. Go to a person of a different political background. Go to a person from another side of the globe go to a person and just hold a conversation and just talk about stuff just talk about things just talk about you know the everydays and what they go through as a 
specific type of person and what you go through as a specific type of person. Have those conversations. Learn from each other. Put your guard down. Stop being so goddamn stupid and ignorant. Stop thinking that you fucking know everything because you live within a five mile radius that your existence is nothing more than a small town. Your existence is nothing more than a neighborhood. Your existence is nothing more than a city or a region. Please expound what you're doing. Please put yourself in uncomfortable positions to learn something. That way you can be a better person. That way you can teach those lessons to the younger generation. And those younger generations can teach those lessons and learn those lessons. So when they get to be our age. So when we keep moving on that we can truly live in a world where it is truly utopian. Where people are judged and based on who they are as human beings. What's in their hearts. The love, respect that they have for one another. And nothing else matters. Nothing else as far as political affiliation Um, who you love, which type of person do you love, what gender, what race, what nationality, all that stuff goes to the side. We're going to base you, we're going to judge you on what type of person you are from your heart, your feelings, and that type of thing. So if we could do that, that would be absolutely fantastic. Wendell Wallace, Wendell's World of Sports.